Amen. Y'all be seated. Happy New Year. Some of you guys uh, probably stayed up and saw the ball drop and partied till the cows came home. Or no, 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 none of y'all, none of y- yeah, me neither. Trina and I were in Colorado the week between uh, Christmas and New Year's. Got to spend some time with uh, her grandparents, who were in their late 80s and 90 years old, and uh, just had a great time. But we drove home on New Year's Day, so. I believe I was in bed about 9 o'clock uh, mountain time, so it was, uh, it was an early New Year's Eve for me. But uh, the New Year's Day drive home was awesome because there was nobody on the road. Hallelujah, right? And that's a good thing. So uh, I hope you guys all had a great New Year and enjoyed your holiday, uh, including Christmas and uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, all the football games, all the food, and also all of the new resolutions. See, I love this time of the year. I love this time of the year because everybody kind of takes a a moment to pause and to reflect back on where they have been and then also to project forward on where they want to be in the new year. I love New Year's and I love New Year's resolutions. And as I was praying through the message for this morning and beginning to prep for it, um, even back uh, uh, right after Christmas, um, God put some things on my heart about New Year's resolutions, and so I began to do a little bit of research about New Year's resolutions. And so I googled some stuff, and I got on the web and found different things here and there, and one of the things that I found out about New Year's resolutions is that only about 50% of Americans actually make a New Year's resolution. I thought that number seemed awfully low. So I wanted to take an informal poll this morning uh, here with Elevation Church. If you made a New Year's resolution, would you raise your hand? One, two, less than 50%. I think that number was actually high. Okay, so about maybe a third of you guys made a New Year's resolution this year. Darn it. I was hoping we would all make New Year's resolutions. We'd be like the curve busters that proved that that website that did all this. It was actually a research done by a university. I can't remember which one it was. I'd give them credit, but, you know, didn't, you know, make it into my memory banks. But um, it was actually research they did for New Year's 2014. And they said roughly, I think it was 47% of Americans actually made New Year's resolutions. And the top 10 resolutions for 2014 kind of uh, caught my attention. So I wanted to pop them up here for all of us to look at today. Number one resolution for 2014 was getting, I mean, sorry, was losing weight. Number two was getting organized. Spending less and saving more was a popular one. Enjoying life. I mean, do you have to resolve to do that? I don't understand. Getting fit or staying fit. I'm on board with that. Um, Learning something new. I hope we're all learning new things all the time. That's a great one. Uh, Quitting smoking. Not a problem for me, but if that's a problem for you, that's a great resolution. Helping others, great. Falling in love, hold on. Can you really resolve to fall in love? I don't understand that one, but, but I understand the desire to have love in your life, to, to love and be loved, and so, okay, falling in love, and then the final uh, uh, entry on the top ten, spending more time with family. I think those are awesome New Year's resolutions, great things, worthy things, worthwhile things to be in 
pursuit of, to be resolved to accomplish. Maybe your resolution was up there on the list. Those handful of you out there, along with me, who made one. Maybe your resolution was not on the list. Maybe you saw that list this morning and decided if you didn't make a resolution that maybe you should, and one of those top ten inspired you. But those are great things. And whatever you've resolved to do, whether it was on the list or not, I believe it's probably a worthwhile investment of your time and your energy to achieve that resolution. If it wasn't worthwhile, you probably would not have resolved to do it this year, right? Sadly, that research also showed only about 8% of the people who make a New Year's resolution actually see that resolution come to fruition in their lives. Only 8% achieve in the next 12 months what they resolved to achieve on New Year's Eve. 8%. 8 out of 100 out of the 47% who actually made a resolution. That's a very small number. That's a very small number. And when I think about that, in light of the importance of these resolutions, in light of how valuable and worthy these things are, it, it kind of got a hold of my heart. How in the world can we let these important things, these valuable, worthwhile things, these lofty goals, these dreams and ambitions, how can we let these things Go unachieved. Let these goals, these resolutions go unmet. How can we do it when they're such important, such valuable things? And I began to feel a message coming together as I asked myself that question. I think this is where God took me in preparation for today. How do we allow these things, these resolutions, to just trail off? Peter out, go away. And it came to me that perhaps it is because many of us who are making these resolutions have not made the most important resolution that we can ever make. Many of us are ill-equipped to handle the challenges that these resolutions that we are making on New Year's Eve are going to bring us because we've never made the most important resolution of all, the one that actually does equip us to do these things. It's the only resolution that actually gives us a fresh start, a reboot, if you will. We all know what a reboot is, right? You know, when your computer isn't playing nice with you, you reboot it. Doesn't mean you kick it. I used to think that. I thought it was a good idea. I still sometimes think it's a good idea to kick my computer. It hasn't turned out so well when I've tried it. But There is one resolution, one, that equips you to do these things. There's one resolution that gives you a real reboot. Because let's face it, flipping the calendar from 2013 to 2014, from December 31 to January 1, doesn't change anything, does it? I mean, not like anything real, not anything that would make a difference. It's just a different piece of paper. When the ball drops, when the, the bell tolls on midnight, ending one year and beginning the next, 
There's nothing magic in that moment. Here's something that you all need to hear. I needed to understand it too. Here's the thing. No matter what all of the gym commercials say, no matter what all of the diet commercials say, a new year does not equal a new you. It's not that simple. A new year does not equal a new you. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in one of my messages that I had been uh, told many times or had read it, couldn't remember who to credit with it, I think we've all heard it at some time, that continuing to do the same thing you have always done but expecting different results is the height of insanity. Right? A new year does not equal a new you if you continue to do the same things that you have always done. It doesn't matter what resolutions you make. That's why only 8% of the people who actually make them really achieve them. And so I want to address that today. I want to talk about how to have a new you. How to have a new you, a you that has the equipment, that has the, the attitude, that has the ability, the power to embrace these resolutions and to achieve what you have set your mind to achieve, what you have resolved in your heart to do. And it begins with this most important resolution, the one that gives you a real reboot. If you would look in your Bibles at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We're going to put the scriptures up on the screen today. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's, fine. You know, that's, that's great. We're glad that you're here. Um, I would encourage you when you come to bring a Bible, whether it's a paper Bible like what I'm using right now, or whether you have a, a smartphone in your back pocket or in your purse, there are some great Bible apps that are free out there. You can download a Bible app and just use your phone or your iPad or whatever as your Bible. I, I recommend that. I think it's awesome because we're rarely without our technology. And so having the Bible in there is only a benefit to you. But whether you have your phone or your paper Bible or not today, not important because the passages that we're going to be in will be up here on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if you've found it by now. If anyone is in Christ, then the new creation has come. The new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. If anyone is in Christ, then they are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new is here. This is the reboot that I'm talking about. It's being in Christ. The Bible says that if you resolve to be a follower of Jesus, then you get a fresh start. You get a new you. The new year doesn't equal a new you, but this resolution to follow Christ gives you a new you, a new chance, a new outlook, a fresh start. It equips you to live the life that you want to live, to be the person, the man or the woman that you desire to be. A new you through following Christ. Jesus, a new you through resolving to be a Christ follower. Happy new you. Happy new you. If you have made that resolution, if you have made that commitment and are following Christ, happy new you. And if you've made that resolution and, and you've not 
been experiencing what I'm talking about, that life that Jesus says in John 10.10, that he came to give us life to to the fullest, or if you've never made that resolution before, and you're sitting here right now thinking, what is he talking about? I don't understand this following Jesus thing. Either one of you, wherever you are with that, hold tight. Because that's where we're going to spend our time today. We're going to unpack what it means to follow Jesus. We're going to unpack the implications of a reboot, a spiritual reboot, a life reboot through the person of Jesus Christ. And it kind of flashed me back as I thought about all of this to my, I'm a Mac user today, but I used to be a PC guy, right? And as a Mac user, I, I don't experience some of the frustrations I used. And this is not an Apple commercial. I'm just being honest with, you know, where I am. I don't experience some of the frustrations on my Mac that I used to experience on my PC. If you guys are PC users, you probably know what I'm talking about here. There are three keys that you can use when you experience trouble with your PC. There are three keys that will, like, bail you out when that thing freezes up and locks down. You are working on something. You are bent to finish. You are resolved that you're going to achieve this project, whatever it is, and your computer locks up. What three keys do you go to? Control-Alt-Delete. It's the reboot, right? Control-Alt-Delete. And those keys are going to be our illustration today for rebooting your life or for allowing Jesus to reboot your life by resolving to follow Him. Control-Alt-Delete. Control-Alt-Delete. It starts with control. It starts with control. It's giving Jesus control of your life. Well, what does that mean, Todd? What does that look like? I don't understand. What do you mean giving him control? Like, I'm living my life. I don't see Jesus. I don't know how to give him control. How do I give somebody else control over me? It starts with this. It's resigning yourself to the fact that you ain't got it all figured out. You don't have it all figured out. There is somebody who does, but it's not you. And it's deciding that you're willing to submit yourself to his leadership. I'm talking about Jesus here. I'm talking about God. Submitting to his leadership by giving up your rights. Yeah, I said it. Giving up your rights. By giving up your desires. Your own personal goals. By giving up even your own identity as yourself giving up your own personal identity so that you can take on his identity so that you can take on his desires his goals for you so that you can live as a follower of Christ under his leadership Following Jesus, following his leadership, resolving to do this, giving up your habits, giving up your way of life, and taking on his. Following him will lead you into something called righteousness. Check out Romans chapter 6. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. 
Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 16. Romans 6, beginning with verse 16, and what we have here is the Apostle Paul writing to the church, writing to the believers in Rome. And in this passage, he's talking about being slaves to righteousness. Now, none of us really like the idea of being slaves, do we? But let's find out what Paul says in this passage, talking about being slaves to righteousness, starting with verse 16. Paul says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, that you are slaves of the one whom you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Don't you know that when you submit yourself to the leadership of anyone or anything, any idea or ideal or, or just a, a way of living, the philosophies, whatever, when you submit yourself to the leadership of another person or entity, then you take on what that person or entity is leading you to. Here's the thing. Paul wrote this. He also wrote that every one of us has fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned and missed the mark that God sets for us. See, God is perfect, and He created us to be perfect, but He gave us the opportunity to sin. And the moment that sin entered the equation, Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, forbidden fruit, then we were separated from Him. We were separated from God's righteousness by our own iniquity, our own sinfulness. And every one of us has been born into this condition of slavery to sin because of that original sin. And if you don't believe me, if you have children, ask yourself if you had to teach them how to sin. If you had to teach them how to manipulate you, how to lie or cheat or steal, and the answer is no, they didn't have to be taught. They were actually well equipped for it early on. My three-year-old, I, still, I laugh all the time. I look at her, I'm like, where did you learn? No, you didn't have to learn it, did you? We're born into this sinful condition, and as we follow our own way through this life, as we make our own decisions, as we rely on our own power, on our own intellect, on our own influence, good looks, financial means, education, fill in the blank, with whatever it is that you go to, whatever it is that you rely on, as you follow you, as you follow your own lead, your own desires, your own dreams and goals, you are following yourself into sin. And it says here that that sin leads to death. And that death is not a physical death because we're all headed there. It's a spiritual death, which we understand as eternal separation from God. We call it hell. It's being fully removed from the presence and the blessing of God forever. That's what sin leads to. That's what following yourself leads to. That's what following the philosophies and, and the, the ideologies of the world leads to. This spiritual death or separation. However, if you submit yourself to the leadership of Christ, if you come under the authority that is God, who created you, by the way, and probably has a decent plan for you, just saying, then that leads to what? Righteousness. And this righteousness, this righteousness is good. 
leads to life, eternal life, which we call heaven, living in God's presence forever when your life on earth is over, but also enjoying his blessing in this time on earth. And so, understanding that part of the, this passage, I, I have to ask you, why not? Just knowing that part of this, why wouldn't you want to submit to the leadership of Jesus? Who, who else would you want to lead you? Who else? I mean, the, the difference is righteousness or, or sinfulness. It's life eternal or eternal separation. Who else would you want to lead you? Who else would you want to be in control? Think about this. A wise man once told me, you are where you are because that is where you want to be. I was at a bad time in my life, a bad place in my life when I was told that. I was not a Christ follower. I was a, a drug addict and a user and, and a dealer and, and just a general kind of ne'er-do-well bad person, frankly. And this guy told me this. He says, you are where you are because that's where you want to be. And I was like, I don't want to be here. I said, really? Yeah. I tried to play I'm a victim of my circumstances. And he started talking to me about my choices and how I had arrived at where I was. And his logic appealed to me. I didn't want it to. I would like to have rejected that logic, but I couldn't find a way around it. It made too much sense. I was where I was because of the decisions that I had made, because of the leadership that I had placed myself under. My own leadership and the leadership of these ideologies and philosophies of the people that I chose to follow. I was where I was because that's where I wanted to be. Folks, you are where you are because that is where you want to be. Ask yourself a question. Do you like where you are? Do you like who you are? Most of us, given a moment of introspection, given a moment of real honesty with ourselves, would have to step back and assess that we know that we are better than this. We know that there is more in us. I know that there is more in me. I'm pretty sure there's more in you. We know that there is greater good to be done. There are greater things that we can achieve. I can be a better me. I can be in a better place. But I am where I am because of the decisions I've made. So when I ask myself, who do I want leading my life? Who do you want to lead your life? If you're not satisfied with where you are and who you are, who led you there? You did. Who else would you rather have in charge than Jesus? Who else would you rather give control to besides the one who was there when you were knit together in your mother's womb? Who else would you rather give control to than the one who knew you before the foundations of the earth were ever laid? Who else would you rather have in control of your life 
than the one who loves you so much and knows you so intimately that he even knows the number of hairs on your head. And yes, for some of us, that's getting easier and easier to count. But he still loves you that much and knows you that intimately. Who else would you rather have leading you than the God who stepped out of heaven and came to the earth and lived as a man among us and showed us a perfect life? He lived for you and then he died a sacrificial death for you to take your punishment, your consequences for your sins. And then he rose again for you in life, in victory over death for you. He already had that victory. He didn't need it for himself. He did it for you. Who else would you rather follow? Who else would you rather have in control? If you give Jesus control, if you will submit and follow him, he will alter, that's our next key, he will alter the path and the trajectory of your life. He will alter your today and your tomorrow. He will alter you. He alters your path. He alters your ways as he alters your heart. When you submit to follow him, he alters your heart. And as he alters your heart, as your heart goes, so does your mind. And so he alters your heart. He gives you a heart of submission, a heart of compassion, a heart of love, of grace, and of mercy. He gives you a heart that desires his desires. And as your heart desires that, as your heart is altered, your head, your mind is altered. And as your heart and your mind are altered, your your ways are altered. Your actions are altered. Your words are altered. Your outlook is altered. He will alter your life in only the coolest and best kind of way. And as he changes your heart and changes your mind, you will change your habits and you will walk in a newness of life. The old is gone and the new is gone is here. Check out Romans 6, 17 to 19. Same passage we were in a moment ago, just a couple of verses further, starting with verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance, your followership. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness which leads to holiness. See, without Christ, we are slaves to our sinfulness. We are slaves to all of our sinful desires, our sinful conditions. We're slaves to sin itself. But with Jesus, we become slaves to righteousness. We stop serving sinfulness and we start 
serving righteousness. And as we serve this righteousness, crazy good things happen. Jesus saves us from our sins. He bridges that gap between us and God that was put there when sin entered the equation. And and he imparts to us his righteousness. His righteousness. See, you don't earn righteousness on your own. I don't earn righteousness on my own. You and I cannot be righteous of our own works. We cannot be righteous of our own desires. We can't be righteous in any way without Christ. I cannot be good enough. You cannot give enough money or time to worthy causes. You cannot serve the poor enough. You cannot build enough Habitat for Humanity houses or clothe enough people or feed enough people at Breaking Bread when we go up there to Denton and feed a couple of hundred homeless people every month. You can't do that enough to earn righteousness. You cannot be religious enough to earn righteousness. You cannot be Catholic enough or Baptist enough or Pentecostal enough or non-denominational enough to earn righteousness. You become righteous as Jesus imparts his righteousness into your heart when you submit to him, give him control, and allow him to alter your life. Righteousness in Christ. You want to succeed in 2014? You want this year to be different from years past? You want your resolutions, I think some of you didn't make resolutions because you're tired of being in the 92% whose resolutions never come to fruition, just saying. Do you want those resolutions to actually be realized? I'm not going to say to come true because that makes it like a dream in a Disney movie and a, a fairy's going to come in and sprinkle some fairy dust and poo, your dreams all come true. But do you want to realize those resolutions? you want to see the fruit of your resolve? Resolve to follow Jesus. Resolve to give him control. Resolve to allow him to alter your life, to change your trajectory as he changes your heart and your mind and your actions. And when you do this, he pushes the final key and he does something incredible, something amazing, something truly supernatural. He deletes. He deletes your past. He deletes all of that sin that is acting like an anchor in your life, holding you back from where you're trying to go, from who you want to be, from that person that you know lives inside of you, from that greater good, that that more than that you feel inside of you but don't know how to access, don't know how to unleash and set free. He, dele- he cuts the anchor chain and he deletes your past. He deletes your sin. In fact, it's not just your past, but it's your present sin and your future sin as well. When Jesus presses the delete key because you've given him control and allowed him to alter your life, he wipes it all off of the books it's gone his righteousness that lives in you is all that God sees when he looks at you 
He doesn't see somebody stained by sin. He doesn't see all of the iniquity and the imperfections in your life. He does not hold you accountable eternally for your disobedience to Him. He looks at you and He sees. God the Father sees God the Son. He sees the righteousness of Christ in you because Jesus deletes the rest. He deletes it. Your past is forgiven. Your present is forgiven. Your future is forgiven. There is no asterisk. There is no fine print. There is no legal mumbo-jumbo or disclaimers. When you submit to Jesus, when you resolve to follow Him, and you let Him move in and take control and alter your path, He deletes your past, present, and future sins. The Bible says when the Son sets you free, that you are free indeed. When Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. It also says that when this happens, that your sins, as far as God is concerned in judgment, are as far as the east is from the west. I don't know how far that is, but it's a long, 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 long ways, right? As far as the east is from the west, that's how far away your iniquity is when God looks at you as a follower of Christ. Does that sound like a path to victory? Does it sound like the kind of new start that you've been hoping for and resolving to have on maybe this past New Year's Eve and many more before it? A real reboot, a real fresh start, a real opportunity to have new life, to be a new creation in Christ, to be equipped to handle the challenges, to be equipped to overcome the sin, to be equipped to be free from your past, even from your present and your future. Folks, 2014 is here. We're six days in. I don't know what your resolutions are or whether you made them, but I know that I know that I know that every one of you has some conviction in your heart today upon hearing this message because this message isn't from me. I didn't write it. I mean, I put it down on paper, but I didn't write it. I didn't create it. It's been around for thousands of years. I'm just the the voice box that's communicating it today. God has something for you this year, but you must, you must start down this path of following Christ, submitting to His leadership, letting Him alter your heart and your mind and delete your past, present, and future sin for you to realize those resolutions. Will you resolve with me to do that this year? Whether this is a first-time commitment to follow Christ or whether it's a resolution to come back to what you have already known, what you have already committed to, but maybe have wandered off from, maybe have taken a divergent path, 
And maybe you're only one degree off course. But folks, one degree off course over time becomes a big gap. Wherever you are, would you commit, would you resolve today to let God control, alt, delete, and reboot your life so that in this year, in 2014, you can live the life that Jesus came for you to live. That life that is blessed, that life that is abundant, that life that is rich and full and rewarding and satisfying. Will you make that commitment? I pray that you will. In a moment, we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask if you're making that commitment today, if you would raise your hand. Nobody else is going to see but me. I'm not taking names. I'm not even going to make a follow-up call with you this time. I just want to know that you're on board with where God is taking you. Because, folks, we're going to start next week. I'm, God's been kicking my butt for a couple of months about where this church is going and about what he's going to do in us and through us. And I just want to make sure you are bought in for what he's bringing next week and in the weeks after that. All right? So that's why I'm doing this today. That's why I think he's doing this today. So we're going to pray. If you're ready to make that commitment, that resolution, to let him control, alt, and delete your life, then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and then we're going to go forward from here today and let God do what only God can do. Those amazing, miraculous, supernatural things in each and every one of our lives, individually and collectively as his church. Let's pray. My Lord and my God, I am so fired up today. I am so excited about everything that you have boiling up inside of my heart. Everything that you have planted in my mind, these dreams and goals these resolutions for myself personally and for Elevation Church, your church, for what you have in store for us individually and collectively. And God, I am so stoked to see what you're going to do in the, in the lives of these men and women, their children, their families, this community, as we commit, as we resolve to follow you, to give you control to let you alter our path and our trajectory, our heart and our mind. And as you delete the past, present, and future sins that hold us back, that, that make us think that we can't be or can't do what you've called us to be and do. Lord, right now I pray that you would clear all of our minds, all of our hearts. Let us, Father God, be solely focused on you, what you are saying, what you are doing, how you are moving in our hearts. I'm going to ask right now that every person here just take a moment and ask yourself, are you ready? Are you willing? Will you resolve to give God control? To give God control? Will you resolve to let Him alter your path, your trajectory. God, we give you the glory and the praise for who you are and for who you have empowered us to be through your Son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.